0: This is episode
1: 74. Hello.
0: Yes, we are back. 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 It's been a long four months. Thanks to COVID-19, we haven't recorded any new episodes, but this one is new to you. Well, I sat down with the good people in our Office of Legislative and External Affairs back in January but I didn't want to post it during the pandemic. So here it is. Now, we're going to delve into their multifaceted role beyond the obvious, like bills under consideration.
2: A lot of folks come to us, I'm not kidding, uh, to find out what does Cal OES think about this, even if it's not a direct impact bill to us.
0: Then an emergency happens. What mode do they take? How do legislative and external affairs react, or do they?
1: Folks around here say it was a wake up call for the agency
0: reactive to proactive emergencies shape our lives at home and at the state operations center
2: uh, so that was kind of the inaugural uh, moment
0: external affairs means business and when those two meet amazing things happen
3: they donated earplugs which we wouldn't have thought uh, you don't think of an earl- but then again it makes a lot of sense
0: all that and more in this belated edition of all hazards right now We are back in the studio here, the uh, all-hazard studio at Cal OES in Mather, California. All right, in the studio with me today are three folks from the Legislative and External Affairs Office here at Cal OES. Uh, we have Lori Najura, we have Paul McGinnis, and Patricia Utterback. Hello. Hello. Hello.
2: Thanks for having us. Great
0: to have nice you to here. here. Thanks, guys. We wanted you in today because we wanted to get your insight and uh, have you explain a little bit about what your office does. The title of your office sort of lends an idea legislative obviously has to do with our legislators external affairs obviously what i want to know is sort of the the insider information about what you do so we're going to take folks behind the velvet rope through the doors okay and then uh into the vault where you guys live and we're going to have you explain a little bit about what you do so, Lori, let's start with you. You are the Legislative Coordination Manager for this office. Tell us a little bit about your office as a whole, kind of what it's responsible for, and uh, let's let us go from there.
2: The Office of Legislative and External Affairs is a microcosm of Cal OES. And by that, I mean we, we are internal coordinators um, for the state agency. We coordinate all of our program folks, for, to conduct legislative analyses, to create uh, departmental legislative proposals, to put together briefings for the director and other senior management when they'll be speaking externally, um, creating hearing testimony, again, for the director or other senior management, handling inquiries from legislators, uh, from congressional members, from even sometimes from lobbyists mm-hmm. regarding certain pieces of legislation. Everybody wants to know what Cal OES thinks about bills X, Y, and Z. Um, of course, we're in the governor's office. So we have to be discreet in, um, in what we convey regarding legislation, but um, that kind of in a nutshell is what
0: we do. We testify Uh, We go to hearings. We have input because it's what's important to the safety and welfare of the entire state of California. That's our job. So anything that relates to that legislatively, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys are a part of, right? I would assume they're, like you said, they're coming to you to find out what you think about certain pieces of legislation that may affect us directly.
2: That's right. We are, as I said, in the Governor's office, therefore the Governor's politics are ours., yeah. um so and we support that. But I have to say, uh, Director Gillarducci does a fantastic job balancing the um, role that he plays um, managing upward with the Governor's office and then also making sure that we're meeting the needs of local government and and um, the members of the public as a whole. So, um, that expectation now has been created for the whole agency. And since we're kind of that, you know, external affairs portion of the agency, then we're just his, that arm. Um, so that's why I think a lot of people come to us.
0: All right. So you have two folks here with you, uh, Paul McGinnis and, uh, Patricia Utterback, who are, uh, uh a very, uh, striking-looking couple sitting next to me here. (laughs) uh, Professionally only, of course. Uh, So uh, I have to say that. And you'll see the picture if you log on to OESnews.com and go check it out. You'll see the photo of the three of them here. Uh, And I'm the other one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't have anyone sitting next to you. So (laughs) if you had a gentleman (laughs) sitting next to you, I would say we have two striking couples in here. You see (laughs) what I mean? Uh, (laughs) Anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I want to know here... On a day-to-day basis, what does your routine sort of look like? Do the three of you work together every single day?
1: Yeah, we work together um, every single day. It's a very um, close-knit team. And so, like Lori said, during the legislative session, we're we're very busy um, analyzing bills, going out to different program units, getting background information. Um, We meet probably every single day um, to talk about uh, different issues that are going on, um, and then we also have different topical issues um, assigned to us as analysts. So, such as f- such as so one of mine would be cybersecurity. So any cybersecurity legislation, I'll I'll usually run point on. Uh, we also have you know a whole host of issues: um, climate change, hazard mitigation, planning. So with some of these topics <clears throat> that you follow, cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, are these things, when you're talking about legislation, you're looking mm-hmm. at them for what purpose? So, essentially, we're looking at this legislation to see whether or not it's going to impact our agency, uh, either directly or indirectly. Okay. So, if the if the legislation is going to impact us directly or have a financial impact on us, that's going to be a higher higher profile uh, bill or analysis that we're going to need to get up to the director's uh, office to get his, his signature. Um, or at least his awareness, right? Or his, yeah, exactly his awareness. Sometimes there's there's bills that he just wants us to take a look at and do an analysis for, for just his awareness. I would assume that you are very busy with that alone. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. So that takes up the bulk of our 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 time. Patricia, yeah. how about you?
3: Uh, yeah. Um mm-hmm. actually the last two years have been pretty um, exponentially busy for bill analyses with the large fires in 2017 and 2018. Legislators see gaps in uh, the state's response and recovery efforts. And so they're very excited and enthusiastic to assist. Mm -hmm. And we try to engage with them on these bills and telling them how Mm -hmm. would they, like, what is the impact that this bill would have? Is um, Is it realistic? Is it, uh, what would the effects be? Would you actually be doing what you're trying to do? Just providing the facts before mm-hmm. we get the sign off from the governor's office, if we can engage with our um, actual position on mm-hmm.
0: the bill. If you had to sort of guess at the level of, of input and effect that your input gives uh, on the outcome of a bill, uh, how, how would you say, how would you quantify that or how would you qualify that?
2: I would say that, again, thanks to Director um just w- what he does on The Natural, there's a lot of faith downtown in what Cal OES does. So a lot of folks come to us, I'm not kidding, uh, to find out what does Cal OES think about this, even if it's not a direct impact bill mm. to us. And and that's a direct reflection of the good work that this whole agency has done all across the state. That said, um, as much as as possible, I do think that folks hear what we have to say and genuinely consider it, there may be politics behind why a particular legislator might pursue a certain bill idea or not. But um, for the most part, our what we call technical assistance Mm -hmm. has been greeted with um, a lot of trust and uh, good faith.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that goes back to the leadership Mm-hmm. Uh, in your office, as well as the executive office as a whole, everything that I've seen since I've come on board here is that that executive office is very much focused on doing the right thing now, mm-hmm. you know, and and looking forward. I, I remember coming in and hearing the the phrase uh, leaning forward, and it, mm-hmm. and at first I thought it sounded kind of silly, and, you know, I, and I know it's used across the board, but that's really a good sort of way to describe it is we're not just sort of leaning back and uh, accepting things the way they are now and resting on our laurels. We are constantly looking forward mm-hmm. and uh, leaning forward to grab a hold of that next thing that may need to be handled.
2: And and I may say that uh, we are trendsetters because the terms leaning forward and One Team, One Fight have been used by legislators in hearings now in the last couple of years, and you know where they got that. I
0: know exactly where they got that from, from our own leader, yes. Uh, And that's great. You know, that's great. Uh, I've always taught my daughter from a very young age, uh, if you can be a leader, don't be a follower. And that's what I think Cal OES does. I think we're a leader uh, worldwide in the way that we uh, operate. Uh, so that's, that's fantastic. Now, the day-to-day stuff is all fine in here, but really where the rubber meets the road for Cal OES is when something big happens, a disaster, an emergency of some kind, and we need to be able to react in a moment's notice, uh, and if possible ahead of time, uh, if we know something is coming. I would imagine that the Legislative and External Affairs Office would be really put to task when it comes to these disasters. So I'm curious, uh, and one of the reasons why you're here is to find out how your office handles or operates during one of these activations. So Lori, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about maybe the most recent activation or emergency where you personally in your office... Uh, was challenged. We'll hear Lori's answer to that in just a moment. But first, well-intentioned elected officials and one emergency.
2: So that was kind of the inaugural uh, moment.
0: That changed the way Lori's team thinks. Plus, the fire siege of 2017 left a mark. Folks around here say it was a wake-up call for the agency. So let's get right back to our conversation with some of the folks from our Office of Legislative and External Affairs. Lori, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about maybe the most recent activation or emergency where you personally in your office uh, was challenged.
2: When we were talking earlier about um, basically how our activation posture has developed, that's really the starting point. Um, My boss, Reggie Salvador, was being contacted by various legislators. In fact, we had one congressional member show up here at the SOC that evening Mm. that we all got called in um, for the Oroville incident. And um, it was at that time that we thought, you know what, let's be proactive, um, not reactive, and let's make sure that we're reaching out to impacted members before they get a chance to reach out to us. Um, so that was kind of the inaugural uh, moment. And then it kind of coalesced later that year with the October wildfires. And I would have to say that was probably my personal um, largest, longest, and most intense activation. Mm. Uh, I was activated for 30 days straight and had to give up my vacation to Hawaii. <laughs> oh, no. That's right. um,
0: Hopefully you got to take it later. <laughs> uh, we're still, still planning. planning. Still <laughs> planning. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: But um, because there were so many jurisdictions that were impacted by that siege, we had a lot of outreach that we needed to do. So that's when we started developing these elected officials briefings Um, during an activation response period. We then would have, as needed, but in this case, daily uh, briefing calls to elected officials. Um, And... Uh, that kind of set forth the format in 2018 and 2019, we've had additional big events. And so we've kind of fine-tuned. We are no longer just reach out to state legislators. We reach out to local elected officials, both at the city and the county level, and also to our congressional members. And we can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. So this year, we've really partnered with um, the CSAC, the California State Association of Counties, mm. and the California or the League of California Cities, to help us reach those um, local and uh, you know OA folks that need to get on those calls, and then we work very closely with the governor's DC office to make sure that we're communicating um, frequently and well with the congressional members. Uh, so, it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, you know, the six of us here in the Office of Legislative and External Affairs kind of acting as those coordinators, but we rely on the efforts of a lot of other people to help put these mm-hmm. um, briefings together.
0: So, why are these briefings so important?
1: <laughs>
2: and this is where we tap dance. <laughs> 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 it's. Uh, it works much better and to our benefit. And by our, I mean um, the statewide response Mm -hmm. benefit. If we can keep elected officials informed so that they don't go through other avenues seeking to interject themselves in the response. And, um, And then we also have the opportunity to use them uh, for which they're grateful, to amplify whatever messages need to get out to the right. public because they're the best conduit to their constituency. Um, so if we want to get shelter notices out or boil water boil notices or active um, uh, evacuation information out, they're our best avenue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we find these um, actually have great benefit to us as well as to the members.
0: Absolutely. The community benefits because they're hearing directly from their elected official and uh, they may be more likely to listen to them uh, if they're a trusted official and hopefully will do the right thing. And it will likely, most likely, be what we're asking as well. Same kind of thing, amplifying that important message.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Paul, mm-hmm. you have your own watch list, I <laughs> guess, so to speak, right? You mm-hmm. want to make sure that... Uh, Whatever you're assigned to is handled as well. Mm-hmm. During these activations, uh, let's say over the last couple of years, was mm-hmm. there any one particular activation or a couple that that really, you know, put you to the test?
1: Yeah, I think I'd I'd echo what Lori mentioned. Uh, the 2017 uh, fire siege, yeah, was probably um, one. You know, folks around here say it was a wake-up call for the agency. Um, I don't think we've had that widespread and and that many counties impacted at the same time and under a presidential declaration so so how did under, that affect you so under that disaster i was um i was actually assisting ia the individual assistance uh unit and i was the LAC drc coordinator so the local assistance center and disaster recovery center coordinator and what does that and mean so, exactly were you the one in charge of sort of yeah essentially yeah, essentially contacting all our state agency partners who are going to sit in the local assistance centers, telling them where it's going to be, when it's going to happen, what resources they need to bring. Um, very, very real-time information that was being shared with them. Um, and then also working with uh, FEMA because th- these were all – I think there was nine different uh, DRCs. They were all disaster wow. recovery centers that were being set up, yeah. which is very rare. I don't know if that many DRCs have ever been stood up. Um, within that time span so that was that was extreme challenge um but it was it was also very rewarding being um and leveraging a lot of relationships that i had made here at cal oes um, so was
0: that why you were the one who was sort of the so, coordinator
1: so i got tapped for that job because i had actually worked as a state liaison um at two different uh, DRCs, Okay. or one lack and one DRC. Okay, so you knew the what past. they looked
0: like, you knew what right. their job was, you had mm-hmm. the you had the contacts that you needed right. to, to get the ball rolling and to exactly. make sure that it was stood up in a timely fashion, effectively, and in the right location.
1: Right, and that's actually, I think, really important too, is um, if anyone at Cal OES or even um, at any other state agency has a chance um, to work in a, a local assistance center, it's extremely beneficial because you're actually on the ground, you, you're interacting with survivors of the disaster face to face. And so there's no real bureaucracy, there's no you know, looking at um, stats on a, on a spreadsheet. I mean, you're actually talking to folks who have been impacted and it has a real effect on you. And mm-hmm. I think personally for me that um, having those experiences first in 2015 for the Valley Fire, I was I was sent to Middletown, and then 2016 the Erskine fire, um, Lake Lake Isabella, right. So both those incidents. um, So you're away from home for a while. You're not
0: going back and forth.
1: No, those are deployments. So how long were you deployed? A minimum of of two weeks per deployment. So actually, the first one I was gone for three three and a half weeks. Oh wow! And the second one about two weeks. Wow. So what gets you through that? Um, honestly, it's just the, the camaraderie of, of the staff yeah. at the local assistance centers is, is, um, it's, it's almost palpable. I mean, you're, you're actually helping people and it's, it's very rewarding, um, yeah. uh, experience. Sure. So it gets through, I mean, obviously I've, I, I talked with my family every day and, yeah. you know, it, you can get homesick sometimes being, yeah. being deployed, but um it is a very uh, rewarding experience and it's one that i I, t- I take into my job almost every day so right. patricia you have your own focus
3: right yes so during many disasters um since i've been here for um, a little over a year and a half um i work with abby browning in the office of Uh, private sector uh, NGO coordination as the deputy chief of the business operations center for the red team during activations. So we engage with the private sector to help mitigate the disaster impacts. Um, With these recent PSPS events, it's been very interesting because it's very heavily um, impacting the business, um, like businesses within California, and the, the director and uh, the governor have have been very interested in what we are doing and how we're helping to make sure these businesses um, get back to work because the community can't recover until um, businesses are there because they're employing people, they're providing services, they're providing um, commodities, and it's they're really the cornerstone of recovery.
0: Tell me what your uh, role was when you were interacting with these folks. Uh, you said the Business Operations Center? Right. Okay, so as as um, being um, – what was your, your title there at the Business Operations Center?
3: Deputy Chief.
0: Okay, so – what is your responsibility then as deputy chief?
3: Sure. So first, the business operations center is in the SOC. A lot of people don't don't realize that. We're just in, I think, breakout room five. Okay. Um, and we uh, keep seats available for businesses to come in and engage with us in person. Um, we work a lot with the grocery association. But during activations, primarily, we will respond to email inquiries. We'll send out twice daily or once uh daily uh depending on the severity or if we're in the the prime of the emergency um advisories similar to the elected official advisories where we send uh information that is impactful to businesses what these businesses want to know what roads are closed what schools are open so their employees can send their kids to school Mm -hmm. for example and um if the electricity is down, if the water is safe, things like that. You normally find a sit-stat, but we'll remove sensitive information. Um, we will help them in, in ways, um, like, for example, during the campfire, uh, there were a lot of businesses behind evacuation lines, uh, like grocery stores where their food was, there was no power because of the the fire, but the fire hadn't reached their their store yet. So we were able to coordinate some um escorts to remove some of the the perishables and donate to shelters so it was really a win-win for everyone yeah in situations like that
0: so when someone comes in uh to the state operations center during an activation and they sit down with you folks at the table what would be the motivation for them to actually come in as opposed to just waiting for an email It can be a challenge to get the private sector at the government table, literally. But Patricia will tell us how that goes in just a moment. She'll also talk more about how help can come from the unlikeliest of places.
3: They donated earplugs, which we wouldn't have thought. uh, You don't think of an earl, but then again, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Back to our conversation. What would be the motivation for them to actually come in as opposed to just waiting for an email?
3: Well, to be in the center, to be able to see what's going on, to have direct access to us is very valuable to some of these companies. Um, and we want to work with them on solutions because we, we're helping them find uh, keep their businesses um, engaged or in open, but also they're providing us a service as well if we can't find something uh, through our normal procurement uh, routes like with logistics through logistics we'll put out a, a call to our business uh, distribution list like during the campfire we needed like 10,000 earplugs oh, and uh, first logistics couldn't find it and we sent out a, a call like hey looking to purchase because we we're the state we're not looking to um, overtax our business partners with donation requests um, so we will will first put out a call to purchase and United Airlines ended up coming through uh, with it actually they donated earplugs oh. which we wouldn't have thought uh, yeah. you don't know, think of an airline but then again it makes a lot of sense it does. So, it does. <laughs> so that was a pretty cool uh, way we were able to connect um, our businesses who are, are really interested in helping uh, during disasters um, they 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 want to help their customers. They want to help their employees. They just want to be in, involved in some small way. Um, but they also don't have to be. So we need to keep um, a... Um, Relationship with them that they feel like they're getting a benefit from as well as uh, we are getting. So it needs to be mutually beneficial.
0: For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, shout out to United Airlines for that. That's terrific. <laughs> and obviously, this is a, as part of the Business Operations Center um, and all of the other uh, sort of breakout room activities where we are reaching out to the various businesses and uh, you know looking for assistance. There's a shout out to all those people because – there is so much going on behind the scenes that um, you just don't realize. And, and that's, I think, why it's important to have you folks in here is to really let people know that there is a lot of really good work going on behind the scenes, even with the businesses, the businesses and the, the relationship that we have with those businesses. So um, I'm going to take this opportunity now to say thank you to all those folks. If there was one thing that any three of you could say, if there was one surprising factoid or one surprising element that, that you do that nobody knows oh. about what you do?
1: What would you say that would be? What would surprise people about what you do? I'll take a stab at it. All I right. think <clears throat> that our office actually, I mean, we work with um, legislative offices, obviously, but we also have a broader reach when it comes to like the our tribal unit as well as um, our international unit, so those are actually all under the legislative and external affairs umbrella, and Lori serves at the, as the um, the tribal co- coordination manager. Mm. Is that correct? <laughs> so it's actually um, broader than just legislative staff. Yeah. We try to encompass the whole you know the whole of government, whole of community right. um, reach, and try to send the same message. I don't know, Lori, if you. Want to tag on to that, but
2: totally agree. And mm-hmm. people are surprised sometimes when they find out that we are connected with tribal and international, and um, both of those groups have done um, have really stepped up when needed to go out and speak at special functions um, to uh, for uh, immigrant groups, and we get to connect them mm-hmm. in our role. Because a legislator may call and say, "Hey, we're doing a workshop, and seventy percent of the um, attendees are going to be Latino. We'd like to do it in Spanish, mm. um, and we'd like to, you know, teach them about personal emergency management, um, you know, pr- preparation." Yeah. And so, uh, Helen Lopez and Karen Navarro f- from our international unit. Uh, went out and they did a, a whole thing. And it's now turned into a stepping stone for other workshops for cool. them. Yeah.
0: You know what I think of when I think of legislative affairs? I think of kind of the old days. And maybe it's just because I'm uh, not nostalgic because I'm not that old. But <laughs> but I think of, you know, a lot of oak bars, a lot of cigar smoke, a whiskey, You know, Mm -hmm. so, legislator, congressman, Mm -hmm. what do you want to talk about? You know, I I think about these backroom deals. And I say this because I actually knew a reporter back in my TV days who, that's exactly what he did. And he got the best stories. He was one of these old school reporters. I was a, a, a young Reporter, he was on his way out about to retire. He's like, Yeah, Mr. Boyd, let me tell you, this is how it's going to be. <laughs> if you really want to get the scoop, you need to go to the Capitol, you need to hang out at the local bars, and you need to. Okay, so this is what this was his advice to me. So, so it's high picture. Legislative affairs, kind of the same way. I kind of think of them as <laughs> we hanging don't. out in the bars. You don't hang out in the bars? No. Well, maybe that's what you that's need to times. do, Patricia. Well,
1: I've made a mistake. Shoot. <laughs>
0: you, you know, if you really want to be effective in the legislation, you know. Mm. No, it's not like that, is it?
2: No, it's mm. not. No. <laughs> um, not anymore, no, at least. But <laughs> I, I would say we're post-term limits now. Oh, okay. Pre-term limits you're spot on. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but again, um, in our role, we have enough that uh, a business of work coming right. our way. We don't need to go you out looking for it more. That.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't need That's to do it true. that
0: way. Uh, well, yeah, you know, you're probably a lot healthier for it. <laughs> about? no cigar smoke no alcohol you're just you're doing your job if yeah.
2: Reggie Salvador were here you might get a
0: different answer a little answer. bit different <laughs> <of a> response <laughs>
1: <laughs> and a louder laugh yeah <laughs> Reg- Reggie's great yeah he's terrific I, yeah I
0: tried to get him in here and he said mm-hmm. nope I'm not doing it I'll let my three take care of it and I'm glad yes. you guys were able to do it yes. so mm-hmm. is there anything else that you want to say um, to help explain to folks what it is you guys are all about um success stories or anything that you'd like to share before we wrap it up?
2: Well, one thing that I'd like to say um, is a, a shout out to the agency. You guys are doing a great job. And our role really is to make sure that no piece of legislation, no political action or, or anything of that sort um, negatively impacts what, what you do Um, So we're here really to support you in any way that we can do that. Please let us know.
0: All right, Lori. Well, thanks, uh, Lori Najura and Paul McGinnis and Patricia Utterback from the Office of Legislative and External Affairs here at Cal OES. Thanks, guys, and have a wonderful 2020. Yes, thank you. you, too. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. My thanks again to Lori, Paul, and Patricia for sitting in with me and sharing their stories with us. We'll have some links to some of the things they talked about in the notes for this episode at oesnews.com. If you like listening to All Hazards, please be sure to subscribe at the place you get this podcast, your favorite podcast, and we thank you in advance. For everyone here at the Cal OES Office of Public Information, get your prep kits ready and your plans ready. Our so-called fire season is on the way. And remember, during this COVID-19 pandemic, your actions can save lives. I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe.
3: You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.